Hello and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour, another edition of SB Nation's NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver. With me, as always, Danny Kelly and Stephen Wyatt. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, doing well. Excellent. Well, it's been a, it's a, officially, it's Wednesday, um, Wednesday, August 26th. We're what, about, tw- I think somebody said today, 15 days away from the uh, first football game of regu- of the regular season. So uh, it's creeping up on us pretty fast. We're almost there. Yeah, finally. <laughs> My God. And this should be the best preseason week yet too, right? Theoretically. Theoretically, but we'll see what happens because lately the preseason <laughs> has been mostly, I don't know, it's hard to get away. It's hard to look too closely at it because it seems to be mostly about injuries lately, which has prompted the usual call for, I think this happens every year now, We've got 25 torn ACLs through the offseason so far. I think we had 35 last year, or 35 in 2013 and 22 last year. So it's not really like it's an unusual number or anything. But it has uh, given um, everybody on the Internet a chance to write about canceling the preseason. (laughs) So uh, And I know everybody loves preseason football. (laughs) Yeah. Especially the ones that pay full price to go to the games, but um, <laughs> but I don't, you know, I, I just look at this. I don't know that that's going to help. I mean, look at the Orlando Scandrick injury that was in practice. You look at um, Calvin Benjamin. Calvin Benjamin practice. You know that this is this, these happen in practice too, and they're not necessarily be, happening because of contact. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. Calvin and Jordy both just running around. Yeah, that's right. And I, you know, so I guess my thing is, is like, is this just hand wringing? I mean, do you, is canceling the preseason really going to save the injury totals? Well, wouldn't it probably just move it to the regular season? I guess, I guess people are just pissed because this, this, these games don't quote matter. Yeah. I understand completely. But, uh, at the same point, at the same time, you kind of need a tune up, a couple tune up games, I would think, um, so, I mean, it's the age-old question, shouldn't they just shorten the preseason? And the answer is probably yes. Steven? Uh, here's the thing, and, and I know everybody expects me to say, yes, we should cut down all preseason games. And I sort of kind of am on that train, but here, here's the problem. You know, like I say, most of my career, I was on the bubble. I was that guy fighting mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter of, every preseason game trying to make a name for myself and stay with the team. Unfortunately, that didn't work out for me with my first team with Philly, but it did with, you know, the Bucks and the Jets. And so that's my background. And so I look back on my career and say, could I have stuck in the league as long as I did if I didn't get the fourth quarter of all four of those or five of those preseason games? And I'm just not sure. Yeah, There's some guys, of course you don't need it. You know, your front-line starters, most of those guys are entrenched. Most of those guys are already written, written down in pen. And that's why it's so devastating when you lose one of those guys, like a Jordy Nelson or, or a Lando Skandrick or a Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah. But those bottom-of-the-roster guys who may end up being entrenched at some point during their career, maybe they'll fight their way up and be a starter at some point, still need those opportunities to show what they can do. And there's only so much you can show in practice these days because 
due to the new CBA, you don't get to have a whole lot of contact. Yeah. Back yeah. in the day, you would have a scrimmages every other practice. You know, take them down to the ground, knock them out, and there was <laughs> no such thing as helmet to helmet contact. Now you barely get to touch a guy in practice, and then the game is basically the, the, the only time you get to show what you can do full speed. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. You know, I don't like these injuries, but there's something to the fact that these injuries are going to happen regardless because a lot of these uh, injuries happen in practice. Not all of them happen in the game. And, and as y'all have pointed out, many of these injuries are non-contact injuries anyway. Yeah. So <clears throat> what, what is that really going to help in, in the grand scheme of things? Look, people don't like preseason games as it is. Uh, injuries aside, they don't like having to pay for them with their uh, season tickets. They don't like the fact that you only get to see the starters for a quarter or two. Yeah. So I get that part of it. But when you talk about the opportunity, I'm just not sure how those guys get that opportunity. And not just those guys, but the coaches who are making these evaluations and the GMs, how can they evaluate a guy if they don't see them actually playing full speed? So, you know, maybe if we, we didn't make this big deal out of preseason games, maybe if the frontline starters really didn't play much, at all, and we knew that going in, so people didn't tune in and didn't have to pay for them. Maybe I would be kind of more open to cutting down on the preseason games, but at this point, man, I just don't know how you can make up for that if you take them away. Well, and I guess that's the other thing, too. It's like, when do you get your reps, too? I mean, it's it's one thing for Aaron Rodgers to say he doesn't need the preseason because Aaron Rodgers is going to be fine. I mean, you know, but, you know Aaron but, Rodgers doesn't need the reps at this point in his career. But, you know, his backup does. His, you know, those, you know, Marcus Mariota and, and Jamison Winston, who we'll talk about a little bit later, are, you know, they need those reps because they haven't seen an NFL defense yet. And I know the preseason defense aren't ex- defenses aren't usually the most complex groupings you're going to see as a quarterback in the NFL, but you kind of need those reps to, to, just to get a feel for it and to know what happens. You don't want your first throws against an opposing defense to be in week one of the regular season, that seems counterproductive. I mean, you can't I – mean, you're going to learn on the fly because you have to, but that seems like a, a bad time to start that process. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think – I mean, you need some live reps against another team. Like, you know, you're, it's one thing to play against the same – your your defense in practice. And, uh, I mean, obviously, if they start doing more joint practices, it's going to be like uh, – the Rams Cowboys melee, but, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, there is a reason I think, I mean, Steven's points, the most important is that, um, you know, for most of these guys on the back end of the roster, you know, they're, they're almost cutting the roster in half by the time the preseason's over. So you really have to have that time to make your, to make your mark and get on the team. And I think, you know, that, everyone's talking about doing like a developmental NFL league and stuff. It's like, but people don't even like the preseason. I, I, it just, I mean, it's an, it's a necessity at this point, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it from the customer perspective because it's not a good deal for a customer. You know, you pay full yeah. price for a game that doesn't really mean anything and you're not, you know, you pay full price because you want to see the Aaron Rodgers of the, you know, most people want to see the Aaron Rodgers and, and those guys in the league, not, you know, Matt Flynn and, and, Tavares Jackson and that those kind of quarterbacks and stuff but it's and so there's something to be said for that but and then you know then I saw 
I saw a few people in the wake of that debate when it was happening. And it was mostly that Packers-Steelers game that kind of kicked it off because you had Nelson and Pouncey both injured in that game. And you saw, I think it was even Peter King that said, you know, talking about increasing it to 18 games a season. Mm. 18 regular season games and two preseason games. Well, it doesn't, you're still going to, you're going to have more, to me you would have more injuries because, 18 regular season games, you've got two more games with your starters going full tilt for four quarters. Right, right. And so, you know, by the by the by by December, it's going to be, you know, Matt Flynn versus Tavares Jackson out there. Yeah, and then, the, then by the time you get to the playoffs, that's such a diluted product. I mean, because every team has to just battle. Like, they, they have the battle of attrition throughout the whole year, you know? Uh-huh. So, you know, by the time you get to the playoffs, you got – you know, potentially a good amount of your starters are gone. They're out. I know. And by the time you get to the playoffs in that scenario, like, you know, Seattle's going to be starting wet paper towels at offensive guard. <laughs> at <that point>. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of the injuries, I did, I wanted to kind of run on this because these are pretty, I mean, we talked about Benjamin last week and that's obviously a huge injury for Carolina because mm. as we pointed out, Pardon me, there's not a lot of uh, depth, at a quality depth at receiver there for Cam Newton to work with. So, you know, that's an impactful one. And I, and I think this week's, this latest round of injuries is pretty significant. Too. We talked a little bit about before the show, but you, you look at Jordy Nelson, Orlando Skandrick, and Marquise Pouncey are kind of the big names that were recently, the most recently injured. Mm-hmm. Um, which one of those stands out to you, Steven, as the one that a team is going to have the hardest time dealing with or working around? I think Orlando Skandrick, uh, interestingly enough, we know the the issues that the Cowboys have had with their secondary in recent years. And even with the, the, the strides they made last year under uh, uh, Rod Marinelli, their secondary was still lagging. And, and Skandrick has basically been the only bright point in the secondary to date as far as their cornerbacks. We know that Morris Playboy has been a disappointment. Um, they do have a young rookie, uh, Byron Jones, who's had some injury issues that could step up. But other than Brandon Carr, you really don't have that veteran presence at cornerback now that you can rely on. And even Brandon Carr, look, they were thinking about cutting Brandon Carr earlier this uh, offseason. Yeah. So, I mean, there's nobody to hang your hat on in that secondary. And these days, with the league being what it is, you need two or three real good corners, not just one in the first place. Right. Yeah, and he was arguably, I mean, he's the best guy in their secondary. Yeah, I wouldn't even say arguably. i say definitely the best guy in their secondary. Yeah, and you've got now you've got a bunch of question marks back. Now I think their front seven's a little better but than it was last year. But at the same time, it's like, well, when you don't, when the pass rush doesn't get home, what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, they went into last year. I mean, this is now famous, obviously, but like people were talking about they were potentially going to be the worst defense in NFL history. You yeah, know, the year before they gave up, I think, you know, they were somewhere near the record in terms of giving up yardage and all that. Um, so now taking away a, a really a crucial piece of their defense when last year it almost felt like, you know, the offense was the defense definitely uh, overachieved in terms of what the expectations were last year for, for Dallas. But I think um on the on another hand, the, the offense kind of helped carry that just because of they they led the NFL in time of possession or they were up there anyway, top three. Um, 
you know, and, and so that kind of, that definitely factors for them. Like, are they going to, are they going to have a big regression because of this or can they kind of continue to overachieve and, and make do with what they have when really the identity of the team is the offense. Yeah. Um, what about I, I, just going down the list? I don't know. It seems like the pouncy injury is now the Steelers kind of always, it seems like have to deal with offensive line injuries, but last year they didn't have to deal with quite as many as they had in the past. And it was, you know, the, the second most productive offense in the NFL too. Mm-hmm. How much does Pouncey, how much does losing Pouncey hurt? Now, we still don't really have a good idea of how long Pouncey's going to be out, but it seems like you're looking at a minimum of seven to eight games. It could be a big deal. I mean, just based on their offense, you know, they do a lot of the deep passing thing, and um, Big Ben is so, so good in the pocket in terms of stepping up and and, um, making plays even when, um, you know, the rush gets on around him on the outside. Mm-hmm. So like, if you get pressure coming up the inside a lot more, like it could potentially affect things a lot, um, on those, you know, deep, deeper, slower developing plays. So it's, uh, yeah, it's concerning. And I, I don't know enough about, you know, the depth on their line to say whether, you know, they're going to be fine or whatever, but, um, you know, losing a guy like him is definitely a big deal. Steven, what's your take on the Steelers situation without Pouncey? Well, you never want to lose your center anyway because he's kind of like the quarterback of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And a guy like uh, uh, Pouncey, who you can do so many things with, he's so athletic that he can pull, which is rare for, for uh, centers. He can get up on linebackers and really sustain blocks. And he's also a big, strong guy, and he's nasty. So he kind of gives your offense an uh, uh, edge to it as well. And, he, of course, he has a, a very good rapport with uh, uh, Big Ben. Yeah. So it's going to be hard to replace all that with one guy. There's going to be stuff that you can't really run with Cody Wallace starting at center. You know, you're not going to have him out there uh, pulling a lot around <laughs> the outside, blocking the force, uh, you know, helping Le'Veon Bell get to the second level. Mm-hmm. And so – if anything, I, I think the passing game will be fine. The question for me is, is actually going to be what happens to the running game with Le'Veon Bell? Because, you know, he's an excellent guy uh, uh, running back all the way around. He can run in between the tackles and outside the tackles, but there's going to be some plays, like I said, you're going to have to take out of the playbook now that you don't have uh, Pouncey in there. And so it'll be interesting to see if his production falls off just a little bit in the running game. But I think they'll be fine in the passing game. I think Cody Wallace will be good enough uh, uh, as a pass blocker in that regard. Well, and here's an interesting thing. I just, I looked this up. Um, Obviously I looked it up. I don't have these kind of stats at the tip of my fingers, believe it or not, but uh, (laughs) the Steelers ran last season, the Steelers ran, um, you just break it down by the middle guard, you know, between the guards, the Steelers ran 60, 66% of their running plays, according to football outsiders between the guards. That's tied for the second most in the league for rushing attempts, you know, in that direction. So no, that's, I mean, that right there tells you a little something about how important Pouncey is to that group. Yeah. So that's a, uh, you know, that's, it's something to keep an eye on. And I don't, like I say, I don't, they still don't have a good accounting for how long he'll be out. I mean, he could be out the whole season. You never know. They don't, it's not something we have a handle on right now. I and think it's like you get you get the 
I mean, it's like a snowball effect too with, you know, if you're trying to replace a all pro caliber player, then, you know, the, that affects players around him as well, obviously. And I think, you know, Steven touched on that, but it's like, you know, and then because you, you got a guard leaning on the center for, you know, his, a lot of his blocks, like combination blocks or whatever. Yeah. And, um, it just, it's a, it can be a snowball effect. It, it'll be very interesting. Well, and the other big injury, and I think this is probably, obviously it, it's, it has a huge impact, but it's probably, you know, something you'll notice, but not maybe not quite as much on the stat sheet in terms of overall production. But Jordy Nelson, that's kind of a big loss for the Packers. I mean, that's obviously Aaron Rodgers, you know, top guy. And I think, and I think one thing that you've seen people do that's probably the wrong thing to do is, is to associate he and Cobb, Randall Cobb, so closely together. But they're really different players. I mean, Cobb's much more of a slot receiver. You know, Jordy Nelson was kind of that guy that Aaron Rodgers could throw at 40 yards down the field and, you know, at the guy's knees, and, and Jordy Nelson would somehow come up with it. Yeah. Right. So, so I guess the guy to watch now, I mean, Dan, this is a guy you wrote about a little earlier in the offseason, is Devontae Adams. Do the Packers yeah. have the depth? I mean, is this the guy we're looking for? I mean, he, he's not the same. He's not. He's not a. You know, he's not Jordy Nelson, but he's he's similar in the fact that he's kind of an outside guy and a go up and get it at the catch point type type of guy. You know, that was what he was known for coming out of college. Is like really good jump ball situations, red zone situations. You know, good body control, that kind of thing. And so, um, when I went and watched a lot of his snaps from last year, he was almost never used in that form in that in that way. Like he was more like a like an intermediate type guy um, in the off- in their offense. A lot of sideline stuff, a lot of slants. Um, so, you know, I think there's a little bit of the unknown factor with him still, obviously, since, you know, he caught, he didn't, he didn't really factor in last year, but um, just in the style of his, of his play replacing uh, Jordy Nelson, that's going to be interesting. I think he's probably the, the main beneficiary of that. And, um, you know, could have a big year because of that, just getting those opportunities. So, um, I, you know, I think Jordy Nelson, like a lot of people are saying that it won't affect the Packers offense. And, you know, to some extent that's probably true because Aaron Rodgers is just so good, but I think, you know, it's going to be hard to replace a, a touchdown maker like Jordy Nelson. Just, he's just been so consistent at that and so good down the field that yeah. uh, there's, there's, you know, obviously I just think it's not just like an easy replacement. It's not like, Oh, next man up and, and they got it. But I think in terms of style, Adams fits, uh, you know, what kind of that role was for Jordy Nelson. And, and if he can, if, it, if that scouting report from college translates to the pros, I think that'll be a good, good spot for him. So it's going to be one of the most interesting guys to watch this year in terms of development. Next man up. Next man <laughs> yeah. up. <clears throat> well, I guess one thing I wonder too a little bit, does this mean we'll see more, I mean, is this where – Fat Eddie Lacy really gets to be more of a focal point in the offense. Yeah. Well, it's oh. just interesting because the their Packers were talking about really upping their tempo too. I wonder if that changes anything because of this injury. I don't know. I'm going to go back to Stephen. He, you started to say something, Stephen. We talked to, when we brought up Eddie Lacy. Well, I mean, well, first of all, I thought they were going to lean on him a little bit more anyway this year, especially going into those later months. Just because he's shown that you know he, he's reliable and he can be a difference maker in the run game, mm-hmm. you see everybody out, man, and there's nobody in the box for him. That's going to be a problem for opposing defenses. 
But I also wanted to say, you know, one game sticks out to me when we talk about Jordan Nelson, uh, Jordy Nelson being out, and that's their first uh, Seattle game. Remember when they tried moving him to uh, away from from Richard Sherman, I think, and, and that offense just looked awful. Mm-hmm. But he was at least still on the field at that point. Now he's not going to be out there at all. And, and there's there's this rapport that he has with Aaron Rodgers that I just don't think they're going to be able to replace. Yeah, he was never covered when Aaron Rodgers saw him. Like in his mind, Aaron Rodgers, if if Jordy Nelson was one on one, was not covered. It was just all a matter of where Aaron Rodgers had to put the ball on that particular play. I don't know that he can get that kind of a rapport with Devontae Adams this year. I don't think he can get it with the Ty Montgomery, their rookie, this year. What I will say that I think is, is once again impressive about the Packers as an organization is they are equipped to at least try to replace that this season because you do have a Devontae Adams. You did just draft a Ty Montgomery, you did retain a Randall Cobb in free agency. And so mm-hmm. you still have three guys who you can stick out there and be very good options, but it's just not going to be the same. You know, it's just like when Tony Romo sits back, uh, draws back the throw, he doesn't look at any other receiver the way he looks at Dez. When he sees Dez, Dez doesn't even have to have a step on the guy. If it's one-on-one, he knows Dez can make a play for him. And I think that's the kind of confidence Aaron Rodgers had in Jordy Nelson. And that's the only you can only build that kind of confidence over time. It doesn't just happen. Yeah. And so, you know, there's other guys that can pick up the slack, including the running game, but I just I don't know I think there's going to be a drop off regardless because he doesn't have that confidence in these other guys. Maybe Randall Cobb, because they you know they have a pretty good rapport, but these other guys are gonna be lined out wide. I just think there's going to take some time for him to look at a Devontae Adams and believe he won't get the ball picked off if he throws it to him when he's covered. Yeah. Well, Jeff Janis was the guy everyone was really excited about yesterday. That was seemed to be one of those classic cases of uh, preseason irrational exuberance. <laughs> <laughs> to, wear, uh, to wear that. But, yeah, I mean, I guess the adaptability, and this is – you know, how the Packers adapt to this will be kind of interesting to see because, I mean, you know, I, I looked at their odds this morning just to kind of see if the Nelson injury had changed how Las Vegas looked at the Packers, and they're still the favorites for the NFC. I mean, you know, it's kind of neck and neck with the Seahawks. And depending on which book you look at, you know, one of those two teams is always going to be, it's either going to be one of those two teams, so it's not always the Packers, but they're right up there. And the Nelson injury hasn't changed a lot of that, so I guess that's a vote of confidence for McCarthy and his coaching staff. But uh, if they get some of those, they'll have to get some of those special teams kinks ironed out, obviously, this year. But, well, is Vegas relying on the fact they're going to sign Randall? Uh, sorry, not Randall. Uh, Randy Moss? Um, probably not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <damn>. <laughs> I hope that happens. If if Randy Moss came back, I would buy. 50 Randy Moss jerseys. I don't <laughs> buy jerseys. I buy. I would buy 50 Randy Moss jerseys. So- I love Randy Moss. You know what? I love Randy too, and that's why I don't want to see him come back. I don't want <laughs> my memories of him to no. be wrong by him, you know, going out there and just not being the same guy. And that's kind of how it was when he came back for the 49ers. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't even – I think a lot of people have blacked that out from their memory that he even played for the 49ers, but he ended up starting for them most of the season. That year, and they went all the way to what the NFC Championship game? No, or maybe even the Super Bowl. 
No, the NFC Championship game. Yeah. And he's a starter on a team that goes to the NFC Championship game, but it just was not Randy Moss. No. It wasn't Randy Moss that, you know, I played against all those many years ago or that I end up uh, coming to, to really respect and enjoy watching after I got out of the league. It just wasn't the same guy. No, Randy Moss belongs on TV now, but not in a, not in a uniform. Not, and that's my, I mean, you know, really and truly, I love the guy. I mean, I, I can't believe he doesn't have a fishing show, a primetime fishing show with Randy Moss. That would be the greatest thing ever. That would be awesome. <laughs> I was just watching yesterday these old videos of Richard Sherman and Randy Moss talking about, uh, like, press coverage and stuff, and I was thinking, man, he's just a, he's just a really entertaining guy, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was joking, too. Like, I don't really think he <laughs> should come back. I think it would be an awesome story. But um, and, and to Steven's point, I actually did completely forget he played for the Niners. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, no, I was, like, covering those games. That's kind of sad. Well, he had that stint with the Titans, too, remember? I mean, kind of remember that at the end there, too. That was sort of in the, his, faded, his faded glory days, his last days yeah. in the NFL there. It's like the uh, final games of uh, Terrell Owens when he played for the Seahawks, but he didn't make the team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did he? He might have made the team and then he got cut. But everyone, a lot of people at the time were blaming him on uh, Matt Flynn not getting the starting job over Russell Wilson because <laughs> he uh, dropped this like bomb from Matt Flynn in the preseason, like a touchdown. So he had a lot. Of, he had a strong history on the Seahawks, so um, you know that play was pretty crucial. Nor <laughs> <laughs> <Or> there. <laughs> Maybe the fans should be thanking him for that. Yeah, they probably should be. Yeah. If they if they enjoy having won a Super Bowl, then maybe they should be thankful <laughs> that uh, that Matt Flynn didn't his pass got dropped in that game. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, here's another bit of injury news um, that we haven't talked about. This is maybe more on the, the good news side of the ledger. And I think after today, we could probably all use a little more good news. But uh, uh, looks like the Texans are saying Clowney's on track for week one. Nice. So I'm pretty anxious to see what Clowney could do in a game. But microfracture knee surgery is no small thing. Steven... Do you think, I mean, is, is, is Clowney going to have much of an impact this year, or is this going to be sort of a, um, uh, an adjustment season for him, coming off an injury like that? I'm setting my expectations pretty low, just in hopes that he will kind of surprise me. Yeah. Because I think if you set, set the expectations level too high, once again, it's the first year after knee surgery. Even if it was a microfracture surgery, I just think we need to kind of pull back and, and lower our expectations for guys back to where they used to be in their first year after ACL surgery. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping, you know, now here's the interesting thing because, of course, I watched the hard knocks and all that stuff. The guys out there doing all these uh, uh, drills and stuff without any kind of knee brace, knee sleeve, anything. <laughs> and that is very unusual from, from my perspective or from my experience you know, those guys usually have to have their, their knee braces on for a while. Maybe later they kind of take it off. But he's out there with nothing on his knee running around and looking pretty good. So <laughs> maybe I need to stop watching Hard Knocks because it's kind of getting me a little geek. If everyone told <laughs> who read my profile of him last year before the draft, I'm very much a big Clowny fan. I think that uh, he will definitely excel eventually 
as an outside linebacker, out in space because it's going to put so much pressure on guys trying to block him with that much space around him. Uh, but I, I'm just I'm trying not to get too you know excited too early until we see what he can do in games, and they're not going to play him in the preseason, of course. Yeah. So the first time we'll get any opportunity to see him is going to be the first week at the earliest, the first week of the regular season. So, you know, I'm just hoping that they take this slow. They don't, you know, get ahead of themselves either, thinking, oh, well, he looks great now, so we should really step it up. Let him go ahead and get that knee completely right first. Because from my perspective, he hasn't been healthy the last two seasons. Yeah. You know, he was healthy his last season with South Carolina. Turns out he had a sports hernia pretty much that whole season. Had to get that fixed last year. Then the knee injury. So, you know, let this guy actually get back fully healthy so you can see what he was meant to be on the football field. Yeah. And that's a serious knee injury. I mean, not that ACL is not serious, but I mean, that's, I mean, I think a micro fractures, I mean, those are more serious even than ACL, a torn ACL. There's like very few guys that come back from those, it feels like. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to just bounce right back from, for sure. Right. I'll say this now. Uh, here's something interesting. It recently came, it didn't recently come out. He recently revealed, Darrell Reeves recently revealed that he had microfracture surgery. Nobody <laughs> really knew that. And that's why he said he still wasn't, his knee, knee still didn't feel right last year until like the middle of the season. So his first hmm. year back off the knee surgery was down here in Tampa. And I can tell you right now, he definitely wasn't the same guy that year, even though he was by far our best cornerback. He wasn't the same guy. But he said even last season, his knee was still bothering him. And, well, maybe not bothering him, but wasn't the same yeah. until maybe midway in the season. So it's good news, bad news, because it looks like the microfracture does take indeed take a lot longer than just a regular ACL repair. But we finally have one guy in Revis who we can say got back to that all-star form that he had before the surgery. Yeah. And really, that, that's the only guy I can think of. Um, another, and you know, here's another injury guy that is coming back and could be ready for week one. Todd Gurley. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think he may want to reconsider that after <laughs> after seeing the Rams' offensive line just get pantsed by the Titans' defense the other day. <laughs> that is not going to be a good unit to run behind, Todd Gurley or not. I don't care who the hell you are, man. I, I love the Rams' takes on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> I tried I to stay away from it, but I figured Gurley is sort of, you know, news that our broader listenership cares about. <laughs> I drafted him on my fantasy football team, so I've got some major uh, stakes in him doing doing well this year. It's just not week one. I don't think he should play week one. Well, well it looks like he'll be ready for week one. I think he'll probably be... <clears throat> If he does suit up, that if he is active that first week, I think it'll be more, you know, he'll be more in that 10 snap count, you know, that 10 carry kind of range as they kind of ease him back into it. And Fisher's what? done that with the rookie running backs because they draft a fucking rookie running back every goddamn year. <laughs> yeah. Because, it is. It you, is. because God is- knows you can't, you know, running backs are hard to get these days, so you got to. Well, what's the deal with Trey Mason? Because, you know, he had a pretty good second half of the year. Do they just not really believe in him? I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of thought Trey Mason was 
pretty good running back. I mean, you know, I'm yeah. not saying he's the second coming of Barry Sanders or anything like that, but you know, that would be a du- Abdullah. Yes. That's Abdullah's the next Barry Sanders. We've already got <laughs> another Absolutely. quick preseason judgment on that one. <laughs> I love those. <laughs> um, what about, I guess too, we also had some big, I, I guess, you know, I, I sent the email around today. I'm like, man, I can't think of anything that's happened, which is obviously an indictment on my, uh, on my credibility here, because I guess that yesterday was kind of a busy day. Michael Vick is a Pittsburgh Steeler. He's a backup, mm. ostensibly. <laughs> so we'll see what he has left there. Um, and given how difficult it is to get Ben Roethlisberger off the field in the Steelers' award-winning concussion policy practice there, that, that's probably not going to see a whole lot of Vick this year. Damn. You would think not, but hey, Everybody's talking about Chip Kelly in these two-point plays. Can you imagine Mike Vick running the two-point plays for them? I, that'd be pretty sweet to watch, man. It really, I mean, him and Le'Veon Bell on the field at the same time would be sick. That'd be pretty smart. I mean, you know, it'd be cool to kind of see some package stuff with that. I mean, if you've got a player with that kind of talent, use him. You're paying I would, him. I would do it sparingly, but I would definitely do it. Yeah. Maybe even this preseason game. This upcoming preseason and just see if he could do it. I mean, it's read option. Let's go. Yeah. Plus, if you put it on tape, then people have to prepare. Have to, yeah, have to plan for it. Yeah, they exactly. Waste time. They have to waste time making practicing for that, making plans for it. That's <laughs> you, there's, there's 31 defense coordinators that hope they don't run that shit at all this preseason. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's like the value. Honestly, that's like the value of having a guy like Tebow or or whoever a guy like can run things like that. Is like. It just like you then you have to freaking prepare for this kind of crap, you know, and it just it's a waste of time. You only have so much practice time and you only get so much uh, so many snaps to deal with during practice because of the restrictions in the CBA. And so it's just one of those uh, competitive advantages that, you know, even if you don't use them, it's like just the threat of having them is is good enough. Well, I think so too, and it's like even Steven said, just that that potential for a two point conversion is huge. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. and that could be yeah, the difference in a game. Hey, listen, so this, this, past, this past week of preseason games, this seemed like it was a whole lot of missed extra points too. I don't know if y'all yeah. noticed that, but there were a it was lot, a lot more guys missing. So and it, it, regular starter guys too. I mean, Blair Walsh in Minnesota's had a terrible preseason. He was one of the best kickers in the league. I think the, last year they did the same thing where they like tested it, you know, in the preseason. And I want to say the rate of misses was like pretty high. I don't remember exactly it off the top of my head. I don't have stats at the tip of my finger like you, Ryan. But <laughs> um, I, I want to say that they missed quite a few in the preseason when they were testing this. So it could be like a pretty big deal, you know. It's they found over the. I was looking back at this the other day because. <clears throat> They've found over the years when, they cha- when they've changed the kicking rules like that before, what's happened is that it drops and it kind of takes a while. to cl- It climbs back up. Oh, okay. Because kickers are so, you know, much more athletic than they used to be nowadays. But it climbs back up, but there's an adjustment period for a season or two even or more sometimes where it kind of it takes that time to get back up to where everybody's hitting 98% of their field goals and 99.9% right. of their extra points. I'm just picturing a game where they score a touchdown with like five seconds to go. All they need to do is hit the extra point to tie it up and send it to overtime, and then they shank it or something. Like that's just going to happen this year. That, that'll be the Browns. That'll be a Browns game. 
it's going to happen so many times. I mean, it, it really, and it's going to change the math, you know, uh, at the end of the game. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I never was in favor of this in the first place because I think it's going to add more full-speed plays to each game, mm-hmm. potentially. But, man, I mean, you're talking about people that's going to be mad at the end of the game. There's going to be some kickers that need some, some witness protection programs <laughs> Seriously. around the country if they miss an extra point to tie the game. Or they miss an extra point to win, and then they go to overtime and lose. It, it, yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's fraught with negative possibilities, I would say. It is, and it gets funky, too, because you, you start when you factor in that, like, if a, somebody jumps off sides or anything like that, on these, on the even on the extra point where you kind of – it goofs up where the ball is. It changes that so dramatically. That'll be, it's going to make it interesting to say the least. Interesting. Uh, sorry to change the subject here quickly, but Junior Gallette looks like he has a torn Achilles tendon. Yeah, I just saw that too. Man. Wow. It's, another injury. It just keeps getting better and better for the Washington football team. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to say it's karma, but look, <laughs> you went through all that to get this guy who, you know, at least by accounts, is not a very good person, and then you lose him like this. I mean, and they had the opportunity to keep Brad Arakpo and chose not to. So yeah, yeah, and then one of the reasons they chose not to is because of his injury history too. And then now you get Galette in there, and he tears his Achilles. There you go, man. Washington's not. They can't say they're winning the off season anymore. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. I, I, I mean, Jay Gruden didn't send him back out there, though. Honestly, it's just we don't know if it's a torn Achilles. Get back out there. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not RG three, so I guess yeah. he doesn't have to try to kill Junior Gallet or anything. Right. right. <laughs> um, other big news yesterday was the Evan the Broncos signing Evan Mathis, which on the surface of it, my initial reaction was it was a pretty good move for the Broncos who mm-hmm. who need some off are one of those many teams that they're a good team in desperate need of offensive line help. Yeah, um, I thought Mathis was a good get. You know, it, Kubiak runs a zone blocking scheme, so it's not like you really have to be a road grader, right? And he's that's his experiences in that scheme, so yeah, or at least the last couple of years. And so it seems like an easy, easy fit for him. Good fit, and like you said, they lost a couple guys this year on the O line. Still trying to protect uh, Peyton Manning long enough, you know. Um, so it, it makes tons of sense. Seahawks fans obviously kind of pissed about it, but. Um, I never really thought that he would sign here in Seattle just because uh, the Seahawks are so tight against the cap right now that it really just, they probably couldn't afford it, frankly. Yeah. So uh, He used us as uh, people are wont to do, <laughs> but uh, that's fine. That's all right. You guys got one over on the Broncos. You still guys got one on the Broncos. At, at, yeah, that's rate. true. <laughs> Although they did, they did beat the Seahawks in preseason action, which sucked, but... Uh, <laughs> Well, now, in fairness, the guy was going on Reddit and knocking down a, a whole bunch of free agency rumors. So, yeah. not like, you know, he was all gung-ho, like, yeah, I'm Seahawks a bust. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't have this offer. I don't have that offer. That dude's on crack. <laughs> <laughs> it was. One of the reporters that were reporting he was going to get, like, this big contract. <laughs> with that, it was like I want something. What he's smoking? Yeah, it was so. twenty. It was supposedly it was the report that he'd been offered twenty million. Mm-hmm. 
a multi-year deal for 20 million with 20 million. I think it was maybe even 20 million guaranteed. And Mathis was just on Reddit. Like, yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> I want what he's got. That was I think, yeah. something like that. <laughs> he's going to put the, NC, this, if he, all these guys start going to Reddit, man, watch out. NFL insiders, you're on notice. He even, you're gonna, he you're gonna, your ass something. is going to get disrupted. <laughs> Break his own news. He even posted something on on Reddit the other day after everything went down, like complaining about how uh, people were making articles about his comments on Reddit, <laughs> which is what I did. And so <laughs> I'm bad about that, I guess. But he'll, be, he'll he'll probably still do it. It's it was just funny because he like posted like he, he he even said he's like I'm just bored as fuck. Right. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to be where, you know, all of a sudden we're going to wake up one day and it's going to be players on Reddit and Miko Grimes breaking all your NFL news <laughs> on Instagram with those long ass Instagram posts. People write those long ass Instagram How do you write that? I don't have, I mean, my thumbs aren't like, you know, normal sized thumbs, but. I can't write a freaking Instagram post that long. It's crazy. <laughs> I can bear. I can't tweet with my phone because it's useless. Because I always it's some typo, and then the next thing you know, I'm embarrassed because uh, the typo, the autocorrect changed it to something totally inappropriate. You know what I mean? That's my excuse at any rate for being a bad bad at Twitter. But uh, you know, that's that's where we are. That's where we are. That's where we're at right now. Um, do you guys have a designated fall guy? Have you guys, have you guys picked out your fall guy? You see HR, get the paperwork all filled out for your fall guy. <laughs> I'm still working on finding mine. How, uh, how weird was that, that, uh, that you had that story and then they, you know, MMQB had not reported it and then because the, the NFL asked them not to and then the NFL had the video on their website and still didn't take it down after it came out that they had it on their website. Is it down now? Uh, it is now. Yeah. They found stuff, yeah. I think, I think somebody was like, okay. you can see the URL is the same. <laughs> so you can see what it says in the URL but <laughs> the video itself has been taken down. So. <laughs> But that, but that to me is why I don't even really care about Clemco and and those guys having the story and not running it because you know, and, and I'm not a reporter, but I've heard these stories before about you know access teams you know basically allow you to report some things but cut you off on other things and and, and of course the 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 backdrop is if you don't cut it out then they're going to cut off your access going forward. Yeah, but they put it on the website anyway. It, it was there. It was hiding in plain sight anyway. So who cares? Like he didn't report it. Why do you need to report something? They put it on their own website. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, if, if that being the case, shame on all of us for not ever catching it right in the first place. They gave us all the information we needed. It was right there in front of us. We just didn't happen to look. Yeah, or, or or if people did, I'm sure somebody saw that video. They didn't really think much of it until now. So, and and the context of this all comes back to how did it come out in the first place? And it only comes out because Chris Borland, who's doing his tour, uh, trying to I guess explain uh, why he stepped away from the game, brought it up. Yeah, and so in that context, I think it's going to look even worse than it looked just on its own. And, and I think that is something that we also always have to bring up, too, is, like, 
this didn't just somebody just stumble upon this. Yeah. So I just you know, oh man, I'm I'm watching this now and I'm outraged. They're outraged because it came up in the context of Chris Boylan saying, "Hey, this happened and it was fucked up." Yeah. Yeah, and that's that Borland article that ESPN, the Fairnow brothers, did with Borland uh, for ESPN the magazine. But those are the same reporters that had worked on the League of Denial project in conjunction with PBS um, had that really long. It's it's definitely worth your read. It's very it's an enlightening article. I mean, it's you know even if you don't necessarily agree with what Borland has to say, I think it's definitely. Uh, I mean, it's highly recommended that you read it because it's shocking. I mean, it, it, the behind the scenes. So I think the most shocking thing for me was. You know, I know the NFL fairly well. I don't know as much about college football, but just like listening to him talk about, you know, the Wisconsin handing out Toradol <laughs> like it was, you know, candy. <laughs> yeah. A pretty major narcotic painkiller. And uh, I mean, I, I'll say this I have way better stories about college that I'm not ever going to tell than I have stories <laughs> about the NFL that I'm not ever going to tell. <laughs> But if I was going to tell one of the two, I would tell the NFL stories because there's no NCAA to bring the hammer down on any team that I ever played for. Yeah. Like, there's stories I could never really tell about Tennessee, but the stories from Tennessee, way better. <laughs> <laughs> like, shit you would not believe. <laughs> oh, man. Well, now try not to be curious after hearing that. But. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just, and that's one thing I'm, you know, we don't have the, that's not really in our, our uh, coverage area, but man, that NCAA system is fucked up. Yes, it is. I mean, people that hate the NFL can always go look at that and be, <laughs> and then you think, holy shit, you guys really got it bad. <laughs> right, right, this is bad, but golly, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, man. Um, what oh, else? Did you guys, the preseason games this week. I thought um, I thought Mariota and Winston had a much better outing than they did their first game. Now, like I say, not to put too much emphasis on the preseason, but I mean they both definitely looked a lot better than they did their first game. A little more confident, a little better throws, better decision making. Did you? What did you guys? What was your guys' impressions of uh, of the two rookie quarterbacks? Mariota definitely got off to a better start in the second game. Um, you know, it was funny. We talked about this previously on the podcast about uh, Mariota not throwing picks. And then he goes out in his first uh, preseason game. I think he <laughs> threw a pick and he fumbled it in the first, like, couple of minutes. So got those out of the way, and that's probably a good thing for him, um, I think. I mean, I was just thought they were making kind of too big of a deal out of everything. But, um, yeah, he definitely looked more comfortable this last week. Um, you know, the... He made that one throw, like, running to the right, and that was kind of like, I think it was just like a good example of the kind of player he could be. Like, it was just such a smooth throw downfield, you know, running to the right, and um, if they can get him using that boot action, play action style thing in the in the Tennessee offense, and, um, you know, it's it'll be really fun to watch him this year. And um, So, yeah, I thought he, he looked a lot better, a lot more confident, um, definitely took some strides in the second game. Yeah. Now, Stephen, you, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you watched Winston. What was your impression of Winston's outing this week? Right, I watched both guys, and <clears throat> just like Danny, I was very impressed with Mariota. I've been impressed with him uh, for a while now. Uh, with Mariota, he made a very big leap forward from his first preseason game to his second preseason game. 
just in the fact of how he ran the offense. <clears throat> One of the things I didn't actually notice watching the game live that I noticed on re- rewatch was how many times the Bengals actually blitzed him. Like, I didn't think they blitzed all that much, but they did. The reason why you didn't notice it is because he changed the protection several times to make sure they picked up the blitz so he would have enough time to get the ball off. Mm-hmm. He also made a couple nice throws on the, on the move. He had another uh, diving touchdown in the end zone, uh, rushing touchdown, which, again, shows off a little bit more athletic ability than I thought he showed as a college quarterback. And so pretty much the only thing we haven't seen so far is him connect with uh, uh, Evans down the field. He's had a couple opportunities. He missed them. Uh, he threw it a little bit too deep against the Bengals, but that'll come. The yeah. thing of it is we have two big play receivers, and a lot of people kind of have forgotten about Vincent Jackson, but that dude is still a monster. And yeah. he's connected on him in consecutive games with, with 20-plus yard passes. And so that was encouraging. And, and I just thought that overall, man, his knowledge of the offense and where everybody's supposed to be and, you know, recognizing blisses and stuff, made a quantum leap from the first preseason game to the second preseason game. Now, I will say that I thought the Bengals kind of sleepwalked through the first quarter of that game on defense for some reason. But, look, you you don't get to pick who you're playing against. You just do your best. And I thought he did a very good job. Even a couple of throws um, that that weren't receptions were right on the money and guys just dropped them. So I thought he played exceptionally well against a pretty good, on paper at least, Bengals defense. Well, and Evans left not Evans left a little earlier than Winston did in that game too, didn't he? With the hamstring. Well, yeah, he he had a hamstring strain, which he's kind of battled it. I think he battled it a little bit last year. He's been battling that a little bit this offseason. It wasn't a, a pull, but they didn't want to chance it, you know, right. with everything going on in the preseason game. So he's not going to play the rest of the preseason, which I personally think is smart. Yeah, you already know what the guy can do for you. And they have worked out on their own a lot this offseason. So, like I said, their report will come. But I think he'll be fine by the time the regular season rolls around. Yeah. What else stood out to you? What else, anything else stand out to you guys? I know it's preseason, but, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. But anything else, any other players, any other things that jumped out at you, when you as you watched this weekend? I think the Tyrod Taylor thing in Buffalo is pretty interesting. Um, again, again, he looked pretty, you know, it, like you said, there's always these caveats for the preseason and everything, but he looks pretty good and he looks confident. And, um, you know, there, it would be really interesting if he actually ends up winning uh, the starting job there because I think earlier on this offseason, we were all kind of scoffing at it um, when, when they were talking mm-hmm. him up. But, um, you know, with the new, I guess, style of quarterback where where the ability to run and kind of do things with your legs is becoming more popular and accepted in the NFL. I think, you know, he has a, has a, has a chance to be kind of an interesting dynamic weapon for them. Not necessarily going to be like a top level quarterback or anything like that. But um, when you're working with, you know, career backups as your other option type type guys, um, you know, his, his ability to kind of do some of the scrambling and bootlegging and things like that could be, kind of a big deal for the Bills. So I think that that storyline's one of the more interesting ones to keep an eye on, you know, during this preseason just because uh, he kind of came out of nowhere, it feels like. Yeah, to, to fill the vacuum created by <laughs> E.J. Manuel and Matt Castle. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, that could be interesting. They got a lot of weapons. That's for Yeah, sure. definitely. I mean, you get a healthy season from Sammy Watkins. You've got a good, you know, you've got a legit number one receiver right there. It's, you know, you, if Shady Robert gets healthy. Charles Clay. Yeah. Charles Clay, Robert Woods, Percy Harvin. I mean, they've got weapons. So, and then obviously, you know, um, the running backs are decent and good. So, uh, yeah, it's just. Uh, the the interesting thing to me is that he was playing without a lot of those weapons. And yeah. he still excelled. In that game, you know, it, it kind of felt like they were setting him up for failure before the game because you give him, you finally give him his opportunity to start, and he has nobody really to help him. And, and there were, quite honestly, a few drops uh, for the for the guys he did, was throwing to. But man, he still looked fantastic to me. Like he looked so much better than I thought he ever could possibly look. Yeah, and he's always been very elusive and, and <clears throat> able to run. But the thing everybody wanted to see was him throwing from the pocket, obviously, and he showed that he could do that as well as avoid the rush and throwing the run as well. So he checked pretty much every box you can check. I don't know what else he could have done in that game to show that he deserves to be the starter. Maybe they still won't pick him, but it won't be because he did anything wrong, I think. Right. So um, now as for me, what I was impressed with was Pernell McPhee uh, with the Bears. Mm. Look, Damn near fucking unblockable. This <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, this motherfucker, look, and I'm a Pernell McPhee fan, right? Like, you know, he stood out as a guy who, who mixed in with Dumaville and, 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 and Terrell Suggs, and that's hard to do. Yeah. And they had him rushing all over the place with Baltimore, but he literally looked unblockable this past weekend. And then you had the fact that just overall, man, the Bears – they already have uh, 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 Jared Allen, who may or may not end up starting. Out. I, I'm torn about that because I think he still has something in the tank, but I'm not sure he should be anything more than a spot rusher. But they still have Lamar Houston coming back, who they signed last year. They have Willie Young coming off the Achilles, who had 10 sacks last year. Oh, yeah. So if I'm a Bears fan, I don't know, you know, you might want to hide your, your face, you know, with the <laughs> offense out there because you just never know what Jay Cutler's going to be. But you should be excited about that pass rush, specifically that edge rush. Man, they're going to give people a lot of fucking headaches this year if those guys can can get and remain healthy. Yeah. So I was very impressed with Pernell McPhee and the impact he could have on that defense. Yeah, yeah we talked about this a little last week, I think, or uh, a couple weeks ago. But yet, I was telling a friend of mine, I think the Bears are one of the most interesting teams this year for me. Just because, you know, new coaching staff, new schemes, but there's some talent there, and, and I don't think anyone really expects them to be good. Well, they don't have, I mean, they don't, I mean, they're kind of one of those teams, too, that's like, well, where else do you go but up? I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully. <laughs> right. I mean, you hear, but yeah. you hear so much about the Packers and the Vikings that they're kind of flying under the radar, so yeah. I don't think people are expecting too much either. No, and I think every you know, and you look at the and with Cutler, I think it's easy to write him off too, just you know, just based on you know precedent with him. But yeah. John Fox's teams don't, you know, like the guy can turn around teams. Whatever your criticism of him is, the guy's done a good job, kind of making a, you know making his teams competitive. Did you see the the Jay Cutler run the guy over for the touchdown too? That was awesome. They yeah, yeah. Was I love awesome. that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And look, I'm, 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 look, I'm low key a Jay Cutler fan, right? Like, I am too. I, I will defend him to people, 
But just this whole story, man, the fact that this dude has diabetes and the shit he has to go through just to play in the game, just to practice, the the, the fact he's got to be testing his sugar levels and shit all during the game. Yeah. It, you know, he's got resting bitch face. And so, you know, people don't really <laughs> like it. But this dude, man, just if you really get into who he is as a person, as far as everything he has to do just to play football, it's hard not to root for him. And so I do. And when I see him do stuff like that, I'm like, people don't know. I bet you every dude on defense that saw that play got up off the, the bench and started cheering. Because they just get you fired up. Yeah. When you're a quarterback, it's a little crazy <clears throat> and a little stupid. But, man, it's, it just fucking gets you excited to see your quarterback try to run. He didn't just run the guy over. He looked for the for contact. He was searching that dude up. And ran straight <laughs> off his ass for a touchdown. You know, it got called back, but it was just awesome to me. I, I love plays like that. Well, and that's one of those situations, too, where, I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about the defense, and I think the defense will be better, much better, because, it, like I said, not have anywhere else to go but up. But, you know, you've also brought in Vic Fangio, who's had a lot of success yeah. as a defensive coordinator. Absolutely. And the same thing on the offensive side of the ball with Adam Gass, too. Yeah, they're interesting to me. I, yeah, I, I'm the low-key Jay Cutler. Maybe I'm not even low-key. I'm like a Jay Cutler fan, too. Uh, <laughs> You're an enthusiast. Obviously, there's the funniest, the funny, like, memes with smoking Jay Cutler. I love those, obviously. But uh, <laughs> he's, like, sneaky athletic in the open field, too. I, I, <laughs> the last couple, you know, that's the cliche with the white guy. But, um, you know, if you look at some of his, like, high school highlights, like, he's dunking on everyone playing basketball. Like, he's a good athlete, man. Um so I don't know. He, he, I just like him. I hope, I'm hoping he can kind of rebound this year. Obviously, people always talk about how he kind of like he's in his own head, and if he starts getting one, like if he if he starts getting in his own head, then like shit just falls apart. But yeah. I'm hoping that you know he kind of gets past that and rebounds this year because I actually like the guy. I think he's a he's a fun player to watch. You know, he's a gunslinger kind of guy. Yeah, it's too bad they lost the the Kevin White injury. Oh yeah, that's yeah. tough. But yeah. they do have Alshon, and they have, you know, Martellus Bennett and Matt Forte. And we, I think we talked about this recently on the show, too, is just that, you know, they've got – still have a pretty decent cast on the offense there. And this is Adam – Adam Gass was, you know, he won – he went 8-8 eight and eight with Kyle Orton and Tim Tebow. <laughs> yeah. Well, they got Eddie Royal, too, who could yeah. be a bigger factor this year in that offense. Um, yeah. There should be fun, and obviously, I don't know if you mentioned it. Martellus Bennett—he's one of the better tight ends in this league, too. So, yeah, I was just about to say. I think you know, uh, and I'm not a fantasy uh, guy, but my money would be on Martellus Bennett having a really big year this year. I think they're going to use him a lot, uh, like a wide receiver, a lot this year too, to kind of make up for that absence of Kevin yeah. White. And and that dude, he he he's fantastic, man. He can block. He can do everything you want your tight end to do. Got real good size. You know, he's a funny quote or whatever. You know, he, he says a lot of crazy stuff or whatever. And as a matter of fact, he just called out Jay Cutler, I think, last week, I think. Oh, no. <laughs> he said the whole team sucked <laughs> yeah. the coaches. <laughs> but that dude can play, man. You give him opportunities, which, you know, he's going to have more of now with Brandon Marshall in, in, in New York and Kevin White being hurt. I really think he's going to have a huge year this year for them. 
definitely a team to watch. Definitely yeah. a team to watch. And uh, as the season gets a little closer, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. We've got a uh, we've we've got quite a bit to look forward to. Um, what what else? Anything else on your mind, fellas? I'm trying to think through some of the other storylines that are happening this week. I mean, obviously in Seattle, the Cam Chancellor thing is still going on. Um, no end in sight there, but you know, obviously, I'll be surprised if he misses any games. Um, so that's the big thing around here. But yeah, I don't know. Is, is there any other major storylines this week? It feels kind of like it was a uh, quiet. One of the biggies. And, I mean, I yeah. guess to get the games coming up, and they're a little more compressed into the weekend as opposed to where they're you know all spread out, and then. You know, this is that this is that period where you've got these games, and then they turn around and they have what is it Thursday, next Thursday or Friday? They have all sixteen games on. Be next Friday on the four Friday the fourth is that day where they have all the preseason yeah. games on the same day, and then they have to do the roster cuts the next day. So that's something to watch for for sure because there's always a few surprises when oh, yeah. the, the cut down days come. I think this Jared Hayne guy looks pretty damn oh, good yeah that's a that's a fun story to watch and he might not even make the roster just because they got so many running backs in that team um but man if they cut they're gonna it's making it, it really hard for them to cut him yeah, yeah. he's gonna make the, somebody's team he's gonna get if they cut him he won't be on anybody's practice squad he's gonna be on right. somebody's team that's right. why i think he's going to be on the active roster and somebody's gonna be the odd man out which yeah. might be kendall hunter because he's been hurt off and on the last few years but that dude, man, he's shown it's not just playing running back. You know, he's he's returning kicks. I think he's actually uh, running down and covering kicks too. Yeah. And so yeah. there's so many things you can do with him. When a guy can do that many different things and he hasn't, you know, for all intents and purposes, hasn't shown anything that he can't do that you need a running back to do, including special teams, you kind of have to keep him on the team because the other guys are going to be like, well, what the shit? You know, here's a dude that's doing everything you asked him to do, is playing well in both preseason games, but he can't make the roster? Well, you know, what's up with that? And so I think just even just for the locker room to have the respect of the coaching staff and the front office, they almost have to keep this kid because, like I said, you know, I remember back in the day we, we had an a, a undrafted rookie uh, uh, cornerback who did everything right. He was a little undersized, which is why he wasn't uh, drafted in the first place, but did everything right in the preseason. We actually had defensive leaders go to the head man and say, look, man, y'all need to keep this kid because every time I look up, he's doing everything right on film. You know, I know he's not, you know, the draft pick. I know he's not the big name guy, but he's doing everything right and he's making plays. And I just don't see how you can cut a guy Who's doing everything that Jerry Haynes is doing? Well, and I think just there's there's value in having a you know even a dedicated return specialist, a dedicated she, special yeah. teams player. I mean that's a big deal, yeah. especially when you're, you know, you're jockeying for field position and you're in a team like the 49ers where your field position might be the difference whether you go, you know, win seven games or nine games, or two games. Yeah, this <laughs> year I mean with that roster, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you could play linebacker, man, they'd be set. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's exciting. I think that uh, I didn't expect a whole lot from him because I thought you know the making the change from sports is going to be there's going to be a really big learning curve. But you can tell his like just watching him play, like he's got a lot. He he's a really patient runner. He knows how to set up his blocks. You know, he runs with good leverage. 
protects the football, good stiff arm, like all that stuff translates pretty easily, I guess. And he just looks natural out there. So it's, I'm kind of pissed at the 49ers. How did they get him? But apparently he's like, I mean, like a superstar in Australia. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's huge there. So he was like their, you know, whoever their Michael Jordan of that sport. And so like, of Aussie rules rugby. Right. Which is just, and if you've ever been around any Australian people, I lived in Colorado, there's this huge, because it's ski resort towns, <laughs> all the Australian people just congregate there because they come, you know, they come to do seasonal work and stuff and send mm-hmm. money home. But yeah, yeah. they do, they, besides, when they're not working or playing rugby, the only other things they do is drink and fight. <laughs> and so it's just this, there's, it's just this tough, I mean, and that's why I think rugby probably is a little more transferable to what he's doing than you know a lot of other sports would be because it's just you know lower your get down to the pad as pft commenter would say get pad level and and kill somebody <laughs> and that's kind of what you're doing in rugby <laughs> so yeah. i mean it doesn't hurt I don't about, sorry go I don't ahead. Know about Tyler, but i thought he was kind of going to be a novelty heading yeah. into this office, yeah you know and they kind of done it you know they got the other the defensive line guy who was a track guy second field guy. guy i should say um and so they've kind of taken those chances, and I, I didn't really feel like he was going to be this good. And the first preseason game, you know, he had a couple good runs, and I really was looking to see if maybe, you know, somebody fell down or, you know, it just happened to be a really big hole. And it was a nice <clears throat> hole on some of those runs, but he found them. You know, he impressed the hell out of me when I was a skeptic. So, you know, this last game, like I said, he pretty much did everything you want to see your running back do, including returning kicks and doing a pretty damn good job at that. So I, you know, I, I went from a skeptic to a guy who's like, I think this guy has got to make the roster. He has to. And look, <laughs> you know, one of, one of the other things rugby players usually do is talk about how soft American football players yeah. are too. <laughs> so, you know, that was another reason why I was kind of like, well, let's see what this quote-unquote tough guy is going to be able to do. And, and I thought maybe the physicality would be different for him, but that hasn't affected him at all either. So now, hell, he's I, got like pads said, on in the NFL at least. Right. So, I mean, he, he, he's, he looks like he belongs. And that's one of the biggest things I, I evaluate guys on. Do they either stand out or at the very least look like they belong? You know, if, they, if they're getting dominated all the time and, and just, you know, kind of look like, well, I don't know, you know, he goes down easy and all this shit, then I kind of, I'm very skeptical of them ever being worth anything. But this guy looks like he belongs already, and he just started playing American football. So imagine what his upside could be. <laughs> well, here's the, here was the PFT commenter had the scouting report on this guy. <laughs> oh, good. It was, Jared comes from a rugby league background, which is a version of the game where you literally take turns running straight into your opponent. It's like they took all the players who were too violent to play rugby union without clotheslining each other and made them play men's league Red Rover. You literally just run straight into a defense with no blocking whatsoever. So he should fit perfectly behind the 49ers offensive line. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love it. (laughs) So definitely another guy to watch. He's the preseason MVP so far. I think it's uh, it's hard to argue, uh, argue against him for that. So... We'll see what he can do this week. Uh, it should be another good one of preseason football, and then soon we'll be having some regular season football to talk about, which will be Ooh. really exciting. I can awesome. say it was really nice to talk about football this week. 
<laughs> and not like, deflate gate. Like deflate gate and some of these other collective legal, bargaining agreements. Yeah, like legal things where my eyes just start glazing <laughs> glazing over. But yeah, definitely. It's been great. That's what someone was asking today. It's like, is there anything like, you know, expertise wise that's good that you'd like NFL folks use? I'm like lawyers, man. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, man. I mean <laughs> lawyers and then bond people that know about bond and public taxes and stuff like that for all the stadium shit. So, so. <laughs> So uh, it's uh, sometimes we get to talk about football on this show, and that's always nice. Yep, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, fellas, it's been a good one. Um, got some games on tap this weekend, so we'll uh, reconvene here next week and, uh, and and digest those things. Sound good? Yeah, sounds great. All right. Well, fellas, uh, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>